0: you ever get the feeling that everything in america is completely fucked up you know that feeling that the whole country is like
1: one inch away from saying that's it forget it yes because this morning dr fauci said if we had everyone have universal use of masks distancing no crowds outdoors wash hands you wouldn't see the surges we're seeing this is occurring because of the lack of implementation of simple public health measures. It's so frustrating because it's not rocket science. But this is America. I'm Sarah.
0: I'm Robert. Just for the record, he added. But this is America, right? No, oh, I added, added. But this I, is okay. America. I was Sorry, like, dude. <laughs> like, okay, that was you. Okay, even better. <laughs> and this is Pump Up the Minute. We're here to talk about minutes fifty-three to fifty-six of Pump Up the Volume today. Uh, which begin it's near the end of the conversation between Mark and Chris, slash Matt. We'll call him Chris, for now. Make it easy. Uh, before we get into the content, I would point out, cause I didn't mention it last time, there's a really nice sound mix on this conversation, because every time we go to Chris, you can hear the crickets outside. Oh, nice. But you can't it hear them on Mark's, cause his place is, like, has the blankets hanging right. up for soundproofing. So, that was a nice little touch. And so the conversation comes in, middle of the sentence, He he just said, I'm just thinking about how strong people can be and how everyone is alike in some way, how everyone needs the same things. Chris responds, so what are we going to do about that or this? And Mark says, I don't know. That's the big question, isn't it, huh? And Chris ends the call by saying, I guess nobody knows, huh? Well, that's tough. I got to go. See ya. Yeah.
1: It's almost flipping. So uh-huh. I'm like, oh, well, we don't know. Okay. Time. Good talk.
0: We solved nothing. <laughs> Great time. And then Mark says, I guess we all got to go now. Good night, pal. Good night, friends. I would like to point out, because Mark has been on this show for the last few segments, I can't imagine his show going for hours.
1: <laughs> oh, but just because of the way he speaks with people. He's not very good at, like, carrying on a conversation.
0: Yeah, like... This seems like, this is his longest show in the movie, I believe. Yeah. And it was...
1: Like less than a minute. No. It was, it was oh.
0: several minutes, cause we, we were covering it for the last couple segments. So, but he's on the air, it's, That's it's true. less than ten. Yeah. For sure. And we saw all of it. We saw the song he puts on. We saw it end. We, we got the, like, real time. And as he's saying goodnight friends, he puts on a tape below frame, which is our first music of this segment. There's a few songs this time. We cut to Nora as the music starts, but the song is The Pixies' Wave of Mutilation.
1: And this song was released in April of 1989, and Pixies' frontman, Black Francis, said that the song... Well, he was inspired to write the song by his reading about Japanese businessmen who would commit suicide by driving their cars off the cliff into the ocean. Huh. So I don't know if the meaning for this song is one of the reasons it was chosen because it kind of fits thematically. Yeah. But,
0: it's, it's also got, if you look at the actual lyrics, it's also kind of doesn't make sense where it's two different voices saying things that don't quite go together.
1: Yeah. So lyrics, he says, cease to resist giving my goodbye, drive my car into the ocean. You think I'm dead, but I sail away on a wave of mutilation. Very emo.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And even more emo, the version that plays in the film is not the regular album version. It's the UK surf version, which is slower, so, which was uh, the B-side. Now, in the script, this isn't the song Mark booked on. Uh, it says he fades up a Tom Waits or a John Martin cover of the classic Somewhere Over the Rainbow. It is gruff and very moving. My note on this, though, is I'm pretty sure Tom Waits never released a version of Somewhere Over the Rainbow. At least I couldn't find one. He did cover somewhere from West Side Story, and it's pretty cool.
1: Yeah. If you do happen to find that, let us know. Send it to us. <laughs> yeah.
0: And John Martin, uh I'd say go to our playlist on YouTube. There's mm-hmm. links on our social media uh, to listen to John Martin's cover, Over the Rainbow, because he has a couple covers where he was clearly very drunk, and it's not very good. Oh. <laughs> That's one I heard first. I'm like, why would you want this in your movie? And it was just because it was years later, and <laughs> he'd been drinking. Um but in the script then Mark listens to the song a while and then he keeps talking and says I don't know I must be losing it this isn't fun anymore I feel completely afraid and in the movie we cut to we cut back to Mark he's smoking and twirling around in his chair and leaning back and then we fade from that to the next day uh Mark walking through a neighborhood still under construction and we get multiple shots of this neighborhood
1: Yeah so do you think there's any purpose for this neighborhood being under construction?
0: If there is, it might be positive. Yeah. Like, all of this bad stuff is happening because we haven't figured our shit out yet. Mm. Maybe. Yeah. Even the adults. Mm. You know, America, yeah. we like to pretend we're the end-all, be-all of history, and it was all leading to us. guess history and all that, but uh, we've only been around a couple hundred years. Most countries, well, I don't know about most countries, but a lot of countries have been around longer. Oh yeah, and <laughs> have been doing okay.
1: Countries and places that have been around thousands of years, like Armenia. Mm-hmm. You should go look up that conflict if you're. Yes, there.
0: currently have in yeah. in conflict with Azerbaijan and Turkey, right? Both. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, we get so we get multiple shots of him walking through this neighborhood with active construction, even though. If we trust, uh, Murdoch's watch, Mark goes to school at like 6.30.
1: Yeah, I don't think, or I think we've already established we can't really (laughs) trust watches or clocks. Even if he's going at 8,
0: it feels weird that these trucks were already moving stuff around. I mean, I guess it's not a neighborhood where people live, so they can be as noisy as they want. Yeah.
1: And he picks up the newspaper. Mm
0: I love the newspaper. He finds a newspaper in a yard, picks it up, because the top headline is the Paradise Hills Press Metro Final Edition. Which might have under its uh, masthead, uh, I think it says serving a most perfect community, but it, it's hard to read. And the headline says "Teen Radio Pirate Ups Attacks."
1: Attacks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure what he's attacking. It's just funny. There's a ton of humor in these four minutes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, that would never be a headline anyway.
0: No, not not unless yeah. he literally was. No, teen radio pirate doesn't yet. make sense. Yeah. Yeah, what has he done? They yeah. heard of him two days ago. Yeah.
1: And then he's the front page. But a lot of the headlines here are funny. The Blue Cross seeks cutbacks to lab tests cracked me up. <laughs> it's so specific. Like, they just don't want to do lab tests. <laughs> yeah,
0: and the other one like is the- licensing procedure changes examined by city council, which is mm-hmm. a really boring headline for a front right. page. <laughs> This paper also looks way too thick for the local neighborhood edition of whatever the larger paper is, because Paradise Hills is near Mesa, Arizona, and Phoenix. Yeah. They should be getting a Phoenix paper.
1: <laughs> yeah, Holistically, it would be a tiny little thing, especially if these are your headline stories, which aren't yeah. even stories.
0: <laughs> Barely. <laughs> teen stories. pirate, teen radio pirate, who just made headlines yesterday. <laughs> and as he gets closer to the school, well, he he looks around paranoid drops the paper back in the yard and keeps walking. And we get a shot that's actually right next to the school, uh, where it's a school crossing that fence on the side is the front of Saugus High School. And that's when we cut to Deaver putting his sign up at the door of the guidance office.
1: On this sign, this is the next piece of humor uh-huh. in this episode. It's hilarious. Like, the more that I think about it, the funnier it gets. It says, believe it or not, I care. 8.30 to 3.30. <laughs>
0: Like well, so th- to be fair, the 8.30 to 3.30 <laughs> from Nora's line is not on the sign. Yeah. That's the hours for the guidance office. Yeah. She reads them together as if they're the same thing. Uh But even better than the believe it or not, I care is it's bionic. Believe, believe it, or it or not, not I, I care. care. Yeah. I care. It's a, he made an acronym. He's ready for this. And he every time we see him in this next couple minutes, he is still straightening that poster and checking. He's like stepping back and looking. He wants it to be look good on that, that daughter's. Daughter. He's excited about this a little That's too much. That's the thing;
1: it's all about appearance. He did something, and yeah, I don't know. He did something, and
0: it's just so. There's a chance, you know, be on his side for a second. Yeah. There's a chance the kid's gonna see that, walk in, and talk to him, and they may have a better day.
1: No, but what's so funny is, but, believe it or not, I carry thirty to three thirty. What's he been there every other day? Right. For? Believe
0: it or not, I care. It's like. Yeah, you're the guidance counselor. Yeah, exactly. This is the guidance That's it's office. are supposed gonna to They're going to walk in
1: and see it. I mean, they would walk in and see he exists every single day. <laughs> like, what is he doing? He put up a sign.
0: So <laughs> That's why Nora and Janie's response is great, because Nora's like, what's that? And Janie says, some new hotline Deaver's setting up. Nora says, hey, it's like 830 in the morning, so I guess it's okay to kill myself. Janie says, oh my god, it's after three, so I'm totally fucked. Yeah. Um, Visuals-wise, Janie is continuing her... Vague militancy. Her j- jacket yeah. is green now. It's still a nice jacket. It's not like a actual army jacket, but the coloring—they're doing deliberate things with their visuals.
1: So, does the film almost pass the Bechdel test here?
0: <laughs> um, Jeannie
1: and Nora are speaking. Technically, to each other. it
0: passes, but the conversation is sparked by Deever, so you could make an argument that no, it's still not.
1: Yeah, that's what I was trying to figure out. Technically, it's about Deaver, but I'm not sure with the. In- tension of the Bechdel test it wasn't really about a man as such like it's not (laughs) the the original
0: Bechdel test is from a single comic strip yeah it was a joke it's a punchline you turn into a bigger thing you also have to make the rules a bigger thing it can't just be did they say one line to each other that had (laughs) nothing to do with a man because I think I mentioned it here before Groundhog Day passes because two old women say something about a flat tire you know This conversation almost
1: has... It has a little bit of back and forth, though.
0: This movie may pass, but not from this conversation. Yeah. (laughs) Because we get more of Janie and Nora in a few scenes. We get Often they're talking about Hard Harry or they're talking about Deaver here, so who knows. And then we cut to Mark walking through the crowd and right past Deaver, who is still straightening his poster. So he's right in the same space where Nora and Janie are. And Nora separates from Janie, walks around, circles Mark... Gets in front of him, says hi, and then just keeps walking. In the script, all she does is wink at him from far away. And there is a, a great, there's a great visual just out of frame here, which is bugging me because on the wall by where Mark's walking, there is a poster that looks like it is a letter from Principal Crestwood to the school. But it's basically a list of rules. Yeah. Talking about like what's allowed and what represents the school. And it, you can only see the very ends of sentences. I'm like, oh, Can't I want to see this poster. Because <laughs> they made it. It's got to be good. And then we get uh, more Janie and Nora. Janie says, what are you doing? And then calls Nora a tramp. And Tramp calls... And Tramp calls... <laughs> <to> Nora. <laughs> 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 and Nora calls her a bitch. <laughs> and then we cut to Crestwood. In her office slash conference room. Yeah. It is her office, because we we cut to her in this room before. At the end of the movie, and the sign on the door says it's her office.
1: Yeah, just makes sense. She has a bigger, longer table because she'd have bigger meetings because she's the principal. Yeah, yeah. So she says she wants all the locks in the school changed, <laughs> and a list of every student with relatives on the staff. So yeah, and very authoritarian.
0: In uh, yeah, sitting at the table with her are Dever, uh, the bearded teacher we've seen before, whose name is Stern. And the black teacher, I think we saw briefly, whose name is Moore. They don't have any lines, but they got names. Uh, the script says that Emerson, or Jan Jameson, is there, but we don't see her. But the script says she's there. And then in the background, out the open door, we see Murdoch approaching. And the script actually calls him Crestwood's Thug Murdoch. Wow. Which is fun. <laughs> and so Murdoch comes in says, Excuse me, just found a graffiti on the roof of the cafeteria. They're taking it down now. Crestwood says, What's it say? And we get a close-up on Murdoch for this. He says, Crestwood's a maggot puss (laughs) We don't even get a response. (laughs) Yeah. And then we cut to, um, this is uh, Eric and Doug, who we saw from the shop scene earlier with uh, ice Tea Song, the kid with the mullet, who was way too polite. And he comes up to Donald out near the alcove and asks if he's the guy that's selling the tapes of that guy. they're $5 each, and so between the two of them, you know, they have a few lines, nothing exciting. They pay Donald, but the big thing here is that Murdoch walks up right behind them and is watching. So he comes over to Donald after and says, selling pretzels, Donald, and we get a really nice smash cut to Donald already in the office, talking way too much. You know, he Fortunately, he doesn't know anything, but he'd be way too talkative if he did, because so he said, nobody knows who he is. And Crescent says, we don't believe you, Donald. I swear to God, nobody has any idea. And then we get more of their uh, you know, SS tactics, yeah. as it were, HHH tactics. Murdoch yeah. says, well, then you've got to the end of the day. This is as he's grabbing the kid, lifting him from his seat, and directing him out the door already. You've got to the end of the day to get an idea. And don't forget, your file is under review.
1: And that's such a movie trope. They always make such a big deal about kids' personal files mm-hmm. and their files being under review, even though that almost never happens. Yeah, right. <laughs> the idea that something's going in your personal file and it's going to ruin the whole <laughs> rest of your life.
0: <laughs> this is a ridiculous, empty threat like that, yeah. unless Donald knows they're kicking people out. Yeah, so it's a weird threat to make, also because Donald doesn't know that. If everyone knows they're kicking people out. They have a problem with information bigger than they think. Right. He's saying, don't
1: forget your file. Like, is there a reason Donald would think he's under review? <laughs> he hasn't really done any.
0: <laughs> and then uh, Cresswood tells Murdoch, you better bring all your enrollment files here to my office. That's weird.
1: Yeah, it's a weird line. Like, what does that even mean? What's he supposed to get?
0: <laughs> well, she's trying, between her first li- her line a moment ago, mm-hmm. She's trying to control the information, so I guess she just wants everything in her office. But later we will see, I, maybe it's Cresswood's office, Emerson goes through a file cabinet of the enrollment files. So did they move whole file cabinets into her office for this? <laughs> uh, Clearly
1: we, this is before the days of the internet. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> uh, we do get a scene here, though, with Emerson after this, where Emerson comes in to ask Cresswood why Luis Chavez was expelled. And Cresswood says, we were having problems with him. He says, what kind of problems? He was such a sweet boy and was doing brilliantly. He says, well, he violated uh, school rules once too often. What rules in particular? And Cresswood answers, I am not interested in discussing matters of school discipline with you, Jan. <laughs> <laughs> and then Jan actually threatens, uh, I forget the exact, I didn't write down the exact line. She says, well, maybe the com- school commissioner will talk to me. And and Crestwood's like, is that a threat? And the scene ends. It's kind of awkward yeah. ending. In the movie though, we cut back to Donald walking out to a spot by the alcove where Doug is waiting, says, what did they do to you? But before he can answer, Joey walks up asking if Donald can get him into the PA system.
1: So I like this, or these four minutes, they seem, I don't know, maybe you can help me with the word, but just like a turning point in the film where we're seeing increased tactics mm-hmm. from the school administration and we're also seeing increased acts of rebellion and increased yeah. awareness about everything it, that's and going it, on. it
0: goes with last night's show like last segment of ours even was mark got everyone's energy up and they were out there like carrying tables around and throwing trash cans and like yelling and everything now they're all doing something and it's students we haven't seen before as well we're going right. to see a couple new ones in a moment and they're doing stuff Joey's going to get on the PA, you know, to put on music. Well, no, we'll see what he puts on, a remix thing. In the meantime, uh, we cut to Eric and Doug, who, you know, nice, clean-cut kids with their Letterman jackets are putting inflated condoms on the bulletin boards. And Sonic Youth Titanium Expose plays at this point.
1: And this song was released in... 1990. And the album Goo was yep. on, was number 96 on the Billboard Top 100. So I wasn't aware that this album was actually a Top 100 Billboard album. but It is. The album explores themes of female empowerment and pop culture. So now I want to listen to the whole thing, because <laughs> I don't think I've heard it all the way through. Days Magazine said that the Album was powerfully relevant to American youth. Title magazine calls it a crucial piece of the puzzle to understand how and why other alternative artists were able to bring the underground to the mainstream. And it seems fitting for the film. I mean, that's what Mark's trying to do. Bring
0: yeah. well, even <laughs> underground to the mainstream, and he
1: is bringing it to the mainstream. Even this have... song
0: being in the movie, I believe the album actually was released the month after the movie.
1: Yeah, I did some double-checking extra research on the song because it seemed like the song in the album was released yeah, after the film went and yeah. <laughs> As a bunch of the
0: songs in this movie have been.
1: And they also called it radical, even defiant by 1990 major label standards. So check out Sonic Youth Scoo if you haven't already. The song, Titanium Expose, is just a passionate song about a passionate love affair. Mm-hmm. So... I don't know specifically why that song off that album was chosen, other than it sounds I good. Why, or I don't know why
0: this song pisses like, off Crestwood either. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not that bad compared to what they played before.
1: Yeah, not at all. There aren't really any questionable lyrics. In terms of songs on the album, it seems like one of the least radical mm-hmm. ones. So, But nevertheless, he, yeah. uh
0: Meanwhile, as the song plays, we get... You get a wide shot of the bu- the alcove with the bulletin boards, and we can't quite see what's going on because there's a crowd of people. Uh By the way, the bulletin boards have labels. They have, like, slogan words above them. There's ability yeah. and incentive. And I couldn't see what the other two were. But um, the ability board we see has been rearranged so that rather than a nice grid of 3 by 5 cards, it now says stay hard. Yeah. And that's when we see Linda, new character. I think it might be the only time we see her in the movie, though, but she gets a name. And she's standing on a chair even and says, stay hard. And she's a tiny little girl. It's hilarious. You know, we get the guys in the Letterman jackets are like doing things secretly.
1: Right. And, and she's, she's just, just yelling.
0: From- yeah. She doesn't give a fuck. And then we cut there is a black kid we don't know. He has, he's putting up flyers that say HHH lives. And he has one pinned on the back of his jacket, like a Letterman thing, right next to Eric who is putting up a big banner that says the truth is a virus, uh, along with Doug. And then from behind a pillar, we see Mark is watching all of this. And that's when Murdoch and Crestwood come out. And rather than go after the people rearranging the boards and putting up posters, she yells at the girl with the radio and says, that's it for music in the alcove. That girl's not doing anything. She's (laughs) got a radio. (laughs) She's just sitting there talking to her friend. And... Then as she announces, and from now on, anyone caught defacing school property is expelled. Doug and Eric walk right past her in the script. Doug hisses, and she looks around, doesn't see who it is. In the film, he just kind of gives a really, like, I don't know, kind of an arrogant smile kind of thing. Like, he knows he just got away with something, and no one's going to go after him either, because, you know, he's he's an athlete, so he's going to be fine. And then we cut to Donald setting a radio into place among our up above the ceiling tiles in the uh, science lab.
1: Yeah, and I like that part because that's where we get the cool sign. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So we have the sign that says resistance on one side which right before we cut to this sign, I'm like, oh, we have some actual acts of resistance. Mm -hmm. Especially these days, a lot of people just throw around like hashtag resistance but what does that resistance really look like? But Here in the film, we see some actual acts of resistance from the students at the school. And so just as I had that word on my mind to cut to the sign, so obviously the filmmakers were thinking the same thing. And then Ohm's Law, which was really cool because that's the law about for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. The,
0: The electric version is current is proportional to voltage. Yes. And Which is, as you said, this is the moment where you're getting new reactions from students, new reactions from the school.
1: You get the school ramping up their authoritarian tactics. You're going to get the students, you're Mm going to get teens upping their rebellion and acts of resistance. Because, I hate to break it to you, probably could have done brought some parenting research onto this show. But authoritarian styles of parenting yield not the best results, usually. (laughs) So, and there's no. a, a ton of research on that, like anti-spanking research, um, parents who, yeah, you're just more likely to have children who are incarcerated, have children who use and overuse substances. You're going to just, there's a ton of research on that. If you act that way, you're it'll likely prob- not going to get, come up yeah. again. <laughs> you're not gonna get the results that you want.
0: No. And so... This is Donald and Joey are playing a tape, although a little goof in the film, there is no tape playing. They don't press a button, and none of the buttons are depressed. (laughs) But as soon as he plugs it in, the audio starts playing. And it is the Deaver mixtape that Mark never played in the film. So in the film, we have to assume Joey made this, and that's pretty cool. because We don't know his audio setup. It's a remix of Deaver's conversation from before. Also with a mistake, because he says, you just hold on a minute there, and originally said, now wait just a minute. Crestwood kind of looks around, freaking out, as he says, David Deaver speaking, Hubert Humphrey, hi. And we get a close-up on the PA speaker, just to be sure that's where the sound is coming from. Crestwood turns to Murdoch, and before she can even say anything, the segment ends. I guess since um, Linda was rearranging paper, I'm going to promote Dave Made a Minute today. <laughs> because in that, they arranged a lot of paper and a lot of cardboard. And do very interesting things with it. Is a guy gets stuck in a cardboard maze in his living room, and a whole bunch of podcasters get stuck in an experiment that I created. You can find that on social media, Dave Made a Minute, or links at lemondrops.com.
1: And if you want to hear more fun music facts and music recommendations for maybe songs or albums that you missed along the way and want to hear that, married with some social and political commentary you can listen to life as a playlist and follow my life as a playlist social media accounts on facebook twitter and instagram speak out they can't stop you
0: find your voice and use it keep this thing going pick a name go on the air your life take charge of it do it try it try anything guts out. Say shit and fuck a million times
1: if you want to, but you decide. Just fill the air. Steal it. Keep the air alive.
0: Follow this show or uh, Pump Up the Minute on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter or check lemmingdrops.com for links. Talk hard! Everybody But I know That's how it goes